I mean, sometimes it's easier just to do one great thing and then be done. But to, but to do it every day, minute after minute, the grind, executing his mission. I love that about Father Capen. And I think that's something that we can, that we need in our own lives. I mean, it's a grind out there. It's a grind at work. It, it can be a grind anywhere. But if we can just focus on what we need to do, be positive, be fired up about it, and help others, uh, I think we can learn a lot from him. You know, when they were taking him to the quote-unquote hospital or death house, I mean, he wasn't frantic, he wasn't crying, he wasn't sad. I mean, he knew pretty soon where he was going, and that was heaven. But that's all he, that's the only place he ever wanted to go. And I think sometimes in our life we lose sight of what we're doing and why we're here. You know, this might not be the first time I say this today, but if we don't get to heaven, if we don't help get our families to heaven, then we've wasted our life. I mean, that, that's the only reason why we're here. And that was so clear in Father Capon's mind. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, open my mouth that my lips might proclaim your praise. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for this day. I thank you for this holy conversation with Charlie. I pray, God, that anyone who hears these words might be encouraged, challenged, inspired. See a young guy, Lord, just fully in love with you. I pray, God, for his family. I pray, Lord, for Capon's men. And I ask the intercession of Father Capon through the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of my mother Mary that we can become saints together. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, I am so excited for this podcast today. I am super duper excited. Charlie Sloan is a star. He's, he starts off with this beautiful introduction about how ordinary he is and then describes this life, this extraordinary life he lives, where he's deeply in love with Jesus, deeply in love with his bride, deeply in love with his children and his job as he serves the church. You are going to be treated today with a whole bunch of beautiful stuff. You're also going to get, I think, the first time ever in the history of the podcast to hear someone do about a seven or eight minute legit preach. And he did it all off the top of his head. So enjoy. Enjoy what you're hearing today. Be challenged by it. Be encouraged by it. My name is Joe Ferris, and I want to personally welcome you to the foxhole. Charlie Sloan, welcome to the foxhole, my friend. Thanks, Joe. I'm pumped to be here. It's a great honor to have you. One of one of these old, you're like an old Capens man friend. I remember <laughs> back in the day, man, you're old school. This is like an OG of Capens men. So I, I, Jason did a good job introducing you. I'd like to do a little more with you and just have you tell us a little bit about who Charlie is and how he fits in this crazy world we live in. Well, um, you know, thanks for having me on, Joe. It's uh, I'm just kind of a normal guy. I mean, um, I was born in Wichita, raised in Pittsburgh, so I was a Kansas boy my whole life. You know, went to a great school, a great parish in Pittsburgh. Went on to the University of Kansas up in Lawrence. Loved my time there. Um, was in a fraternity, Fidel. Did a lot with the St. Lawrence Center, which is the you know, Catholic Center, Newman Center there. Uh, while I was at KU, I met my now wife, Betsy. 
she was a focused missionary there. Um, you know, now we live in Jacksonville, Florida. We love Jacksonville. Jacksonville's a great place to be. Uh, three kids, um, Annie, Stella, and John. They're all five and under, so we got a lot going on. Um, but life is good. Um, Let, let's break that open a little bit more and talk about Pittsburgh. You're not talking about Pittsburgh, PA. You're talking about Pittsburgh, Kansas. Pittsburgh, Kansas. God's country. God's country. Home of the only, I think is it the only college team in the country that's the Gorillas, or is it one or two? Yeah, the Gorillas. I think it's the only one. Only one I know of. And I have to say, because you know I got a little UNC connection, Kansas gave us the great Roy Williams. So I know you're, you're a big fan of basketball, right? Big fan of basketball. I was young when that happened. But it was one of those things that even though I didn't really know what was going on, I knew people were super bummed about it. My uncles, my dad, my dad's friends. So I was just kind of bummed about it. But, um, you know, as I get older, love Roy, super thankful for what he did. Um, I'm sure you are, too, for what he did at UNC. I mean, sad to see him go. He's one of the legends. Yeah, he's he's, an, he's definitely the goat, or one of them. I, I would say he's probably found his spot uh, in in the big time coaching. So let's talk a little bit about Father Capen because we are we are in the foxhole together, and it's a place you're super comfortable being uh, because you love Father Capen. So I would love to hear you tell us a little bit as a guy who grew up around Wichita in Kansas and in Father Capen country. What who Father Capen is to you, what he means to you, and maybe even currently as they're bringing his body back, what that means to you. Well, I guess first, um, in terms of bringing his body back, I mean, absolutely incredible. Uh, I know it's special to everyone back home. It's super special to me. When I first, I can't remember when I first learned about Father Capen. I mean, I've known about him most of my life, just being from the diocese there in Wichita. But I think the moment that he really became a, a big part of my life really had very little to do with me. Um, you know, but it was the moment that, you know, my friend and all of our friends, Nick Delasega, um, you know, collapsed during his race. And I firmly believe it was a miracle. Um, I mean, Nick was an all American football player, healthy as can be so smart. Uh, and then just had a freak deal happen, you know, died and came back to life to put it quite bluntly. And after that moment, um, even though I wasn't there, and like I said, it had nothing to do with me. That's really when I realized there was something special going on with Father Capen and the way he was working in our diocese and from heaven, you know, in this world. Um, and I just, I love living in Jacksonville. I love where we're at. But I'm so proud to be from Kansas. I'm so proud to be from Pittsburgh. I'm proud that I came from the Diocese of Wichita. I mean, I can't express how proud I am to be from where I am. And I guess it just makes me feel, you know, uh, inspired and even special that, you know, one of our own, Father Capen, just a normal farm kid and became a normal parish priest and then a chaplain in the army, that now he is being venerated um, so publicly as, uh, you know, hopefully a saint in our lifetime. Um, but with me, I mean, I don't know if this is wrong to say, but there's no doubt. I mean, that man is in heaven. Uh, 
He's a saint. He's working miracles in our lives. The first time I remember giving a witness about Father Capen, or kind of a witness, was the first time I came to Jacksonville with Betsy. I was just the boyfriend at the time. So nothing special. I was young. I was a weird college or just graduated college. And we were at a family wedding. And my wife's got a big family, so it was a big wedding. Um, and I was standing next to my, who's now my father-in-law now, and he was talking to his best friend. And his best friend's wife is from Wichita. He was telling his friend, you know, I just read this book about this priest in the army and uh, went to a, con- you know, the was a POW and did all these great things with the other POWs and so inspirational. And, you know, here's how he died and he could be a martyr. And and then all these miracles are attributed, attributed to him and th- this miracle and this miracle and this miracle. And I was just standing there the whole time, just kind of listening, thinking, you know, I'm new here. Should, should I say something or? So I just kept listening. And then right when he was done, you know, I said, um, you know, one of those miracles from, with Father Capen, you know, I know that guy. <laughs> and he was like, oh, what? Are you kidding me? You know, t- tell me about it. And that's the first time I really talked about Father Capen and what he meant to me and, you know, what happened with, uh, with one of my good friends and, um, and I love this podcast. I love that it's built around Father Capen. And Joe, I love you. You've had some awesome guests on this show. But hands down, my favorite part of this show, no question about it, is the final minute where, where we get to hear the words of Father Capen. Um, I mean, sometimes I even just pull up the podcast fast forward to the last minute and just listen to his words when I need inspiration or strength, or if I just want a virtual blessing, you know, from, from a saint. Um, no, I think that's solid. I think uh, let's just be clear here though. So father Capen is part of the reason that that father-in-law allowed that, that at that time he allowed you in. Is that what we're saying? Like, I just <laughs> yeah. want to be clear. Maybe the door was cracked. <laughs> I, I've had a long way to go though. So, <laughs> well, I, I think it's awesome that, that I think it's cool. You're right to hear those words at the tail end of the podcast because they're the actual words. That's father Capen speaking. It's him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times I forget it. And today, in fact, I was listening to it and I thought, oh, my gosh, what are the odds you can hear a saint talk? So I want to move a little deeper into Father Capen with you personally. Is there some part of his story where you're like, man, that just resonates with me as a Kansas guy or just as a a young adult Catholic in the world? Like, talk a little bit about that. Well, I think uh, there's two things, you know, that have always really stuck out to me with Father Capen. Obviously, I wasn't there, so I don't know all the details. What you know, what we have is stories. But obviously, he was in a uh, tough situation with all the other POWs in the camp. And I think just that constant um, motivation to go and serve others, to remain positive in a terrible situation. I mean, sometimes it's easier just to do one great thing and then be done. But to, but to do it every day, minute after minute, the grind, um, executing his mission, uh, 
I love that about Father Capon. And I think that's something that we can, um, that we need in our own lives. I mean, it's a grind out there. It's a grind at work. It, it can be a grind anywhere. But if we can just focus on what we need to do, be positive, be fired up about it, and help others, uh, I think we can learn a lot from him. And then, you know, the second thing is, uh, you know, when they were taking him to the, you know, quote unquote hospital or death house. I mean, he wasn't frantic. He wasn't crying. He wasn't sad. I mean, he knew pretty soon where he was going and that was heaven, but that's all he, that's the only place he ever wanted to go. And I think sometimes in our life we lose sight of what we're doing and why we're here. I mean, you know, this might not be the first time I say this today, but if we don't get to heaven, if we don't help get our families to heaven, then we've wasted our life. I mean, that, that's the only reason why we're here. And that was so clear in Father Capon's mind, even to the very end. So I really, I love that about him. Yeah, I, I think just the, the clarity of vision around getting to heaven and making decisions and day-to-day decisions, that's huge. So let's talk a little bit about that for you. I mean, Charlie, you're a young guy. And I love you as much as you love me. So this is a, a love fest uh, in the foxhole today as we talk about Father Capon. So I, you, but you're a young guy, and you're doing some pretty solid stuff for the church. Before we get into that, though, I know your marriage. I know I hear you talk about Betsy and your children. Speak to us a little bit about how you, maybe through the intercession of Father Capon, maybe through growing up in Kansas and that Catholic faith, how you are leading and encouraging and walking with your family during these times. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I heard something on a uh, a podcast recently, and I think that the quote is attributed to St. Jose Maria Escriva. I'm not sure. I mean, this is like third-hand information I'm giving you, so it's probably not good on a podcast. But I'll paraphrase the quote that there's so many great devotions in the Catholic Church. Sometimes it's best just to pick a few and remain faithful to those, at least for me. I mean, my, I'm a pretty simple guy, so I think my wife can maybe handle more, but I like to keep it pretty simple. But first, the biggest thing is uh, leading the family in the rosary. I mean, for the last couple years, every night we eat dinner, give the kids a bath, get them all cleaned up, and then we sit down and we say the family rosary. Sometimes our kids are running circles, and sometimes they're sitting there like angels. I mean, it's a total crapshoot. But we do it as a family every night. I mean, that's we really try to p- protect that family time. Um, you know, with the rosary and daily mass, my wife takes our kids to daily mass every day. And, um, you know, I'm so lucky that, that, that she does that, and they are too. But the rosary and, and mass, I want our children to grow up with that as a habit. Uh, I hope our kids never fall away from the faith. But if they do, I hope that these two practices can help bring them back uh, because they were so ingrained in them. And then, you know, to live a Catholic life, you have to live it. You can't just talk about it. It's action. It's not words. And it's hard to do because, but kids are always watching, always. And we know that rarely do they listen, but they're always watching. We really just work every day, Betsy and I, to just try our best, not even close to perfect, to just model what it means to be a Catholic. I mean, my wife is 
awesome um, in living the faith at home, especially the liturgical seasons. We try to live the seasons at home. Like during Lent, our house is all decked in purple. Uh, you've got crowns of thorns and nails and rocks. I mean, it looks, <laughs> it's pretty funny, but it just helps us get into the season. The same with Christmas and Advent and, and uh, Easter. Um, you know, we celebrate feast days at our house, you know, feast days that are big in the church. We celebrate our patron saints feast days. Um, baptism days, we celebrate that like it's a like it's a birthday. You know, we all renew our baptismal vows. We light a candle. There's cupcakes. There's, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a fun deal. But we really try to tell our kids the truth, you know, even from a young age to the extent that they can handle it. Um, I'm not quite sure about all this, you know, like use your conscience lingo, but we really want to try to form our kids' conscience, not on our own opinions, but on God's truth, you know, in virtue. Um, and I think this has kind of been discussed on previous podcasts, but I just try to be a good dad. I mean, I don't really know what that means. I'm new at it. I just try, you know, I want my kids to know that I love them and that I'll be there for them tell my daughters, you know, how beautiful they are. And even when they're young, um, I mean, I do this one because it's true, but secondly, because, you know, I want them to know that they don't need to turn to something else to find their worth later on in life, that their dad's always with them. And then in terms of my son, I mean, he's only three months old. So, uh, I really don't do anything concrete with him, but, I can say I'm excited and I'm a little nervous because it's kind of a wake up call. I mean, the fact that as a dad, I might be his primary example of what it means to be a, a Catholic guy. And, you know, I have a long way to go to, to model that, but I'm excited. Um, but we bless our kids every night. Uh, my, Betsy and I both do that. Um, uh, let's just, let's, hit pause here for a second with Charlie. So Charlie starts with, I'm an ordinary Catholic, and then tells us his house is liturgical seasons. He prays the rosary every day. His wife takes the children to daily mass, and he blesses his children and prays with it. So that he's extraordinary in what he's modeling for each of us listening to this podcast, including me. So Charlie, if that's ordinary, I'm pretty excited for the ordinary work in the church. But I'd love, one of the areas that a lot of us, um, the age that I am for sure, have children that are getting married and going out in the world, and we're seeing our children and grandchildren not in that space that you're talking about. So speak a little bit to the grandparents listening. What is going on where we go to mass and suddenly um, young adults have fled? Like, what, what's happening? Why is this happening? And how can we get active in bringing our children and grandchildren back to the church, in your opinion, of course? Well, um, you know, I guess it's two parts. Uh the first part would be, you know, like you said, asked, why is this happening? Um, you know, I don't know all the answers. So this is just my opinion. But to be blunt, I mean, I think as a society, we've removed God more and more from our daily lives. And as we've seen, this has proven to be, I mean, deadly over decades or generations. I mean, our world has become very secular, and it's it's a strong secularism. I mean, people of all ages, not just young adults, I mean, they think we can do something, uh, earn enough money or 
be so powerful or get to a position to where we don't need God. And I'm guilty of this to an extent. I'm not just talking about other people. Me too. You know, and sometimes I think we bash the world too much. And, and there's a lot out there that, that isn't good, but, you know, we're called to love the world for what it is. All right. And what is it? God created it. So there's some good in it, but it's also passing. It doesn't matter how good or bad your life is. It's passing. Um, I mean, some, we think we can do whatever feels good, uh, but no matter what we do, unless it's God, that too will pass and we're never going to be fulfilled. I think, in my opinion, there are three general categories that people who are quote-unquote astray might fall into. The smallest group, but maybe the most vocal, are people that might have a problem with a certain church teaching or had a bad experience with a priest or a bad experience with, a, with another Catholic. Uh, the largest group, maybe, in my opinion, are those that, you know, just don't really care. They're not bad people. They're actually probably super cool people, and we probably hang out with them all the time. It's just not a priority in their lives. It's not how they were raised, or they don't see the relevance of it. Um, and in, with, in these situations, I think we can help in a few ways. First, we have to be knowledgeable about our faith so that we can be ready to talk about it or answer any questions anytime. I mean, you know these questions can pop up any second. And secondly, we just have to try to live a life that inspires other people to want what the church can offer, what, what the Lord can offer. And this isn't words. I mean, this is action. It's, it's loving people. And the middle group is uh, kind of a group I want to talk about today, is people who view the Christian life as too hard. And they kind of have a point. The Christian life is hard. It's awesome but it's hard. But it's even harder to live life without Christ and without a community of people. I mean, Christian or not, we're all suffering in one way or, or another because the world's broken. It's broken due to sin. It's not how God created it. I and mean, we kind of muddled it up ourselves. Um, and sin causes suffering. We're all suffering. But sometimes suffering isn't a bad thing. I mean, suffering is what helps, gets us to heaven. I mean, look at Father Capon. How much did he suffer at the end of his life? I mean, Jesus said it himself in the Gospels. The saints talk about it all the time. I mean, there's this terrible lie in the world right now, secular and Christian for that matter, that life should be easy and fun and, you know, no problems, man. Um, you know, a lie that, that the road to heaven is easy and it's wide, uh, and that's just not the case. I mean, Jesus himself in the Gospels, he talks about two roads. He said one is narrow, less traveled. But it's not that way because he has a limited number of rooms in heaven or he doesn't want us all to be there. It's narrow because it's hard. Uh, and, and few people have the courage to take it. But, I mean, we know that this is the road that leads to everlasting peace in heaven. Um. But along this way, I mean, we need help. Uh, we need community. We need accountability, especially as men. We can become so isolated sometimes in our work or our chores or whatever we have to do. And on this note, I love this. 
St. Faustina has a beautiful writing about these two roads in her diary. Uh, You know, the first road is covered in flowers and people are happy and singing and dancing. And then so quickly that road ends. It falls off a great cliff, you know, which is the abyss of hell. But the second road is narrow. It's covered in rocks and thorns and all kinds of trouble. And many people fall down on this road like we all do. And they walked it with tears in their eyes. But at the end of the road, there was a garden filled with all peace and happiness. And immediately upon entering that garden, they forgot all of their sufferings. And it's just crazy because St. Faustina is supposed to be, you know, this great missionary of mercy in the modern times. I mean, why is she talking about something so dark like this? But it's simple. I mean, she loves us. She wants us to know how much God loves us. And he wants us in heaven with him forever. But in order to do this, we have got to pick up our cross. We all, we all already have our crosses. We know what they are in our lives. And we'll probably get more as time goes on. We need to stop ignoring our cross because our cross is what's going to get us to heaven. We, we need to carry it diligently. We have to help other people carry their cross. And we need to embrace it because whether we know it or not, our cross is sanctifying us. It's helping us get to heaven. It's not comfortable. I mean, the Catholic game or the Christian game in general is the long game. We can't accept these, you know, temporary reliefs, especially if it's going to jeopardize our soul. I mean, we're in this for the long haul. And if we're going to do this, you know, we need accountability. We need brotherhood. We need fellowship. Um, But I mean, also, like I said in the beginning, that was kind of intense, but Christian life is so fun, so joyful. And even in the midst of our suffering, it's worth living. It's awesome. So uh, I say, what can we do about it? I think is what you ask. Um, I would say first, you know, we need to start on the inside. Take a look at yourself first. You know, try to sanctify yourself. I mean, with with Christ, obviously, because we're worthless on our own. But look at yourself first and then help your wife, then help your kids, and then help your friends. And then that'll help your parish. And then that'll help your diocese. And then in turn, that'll help the church as a whole. But it's the long game. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, In terms of those who are already quote-unquote, astray. Um, I guess we can start with, you know, what doesn't work. I think, and this is just my opinion, there might be something out there that's great, but I think there's a lot of, any popular program you might start at the parish or implement at the parish, it can't get it done alone. I mean, many times some of these programs are not sustainable, I mean, there's a lot of work we have to do individually. Joe, I think, as you said in a previous podcast, we didn't lose them all at once, and we're not going to get them back all at once. It's the long game. I mean, to many people, the faith is so irrelevant, and they have no connection with it. I mean, people have become so distracted, myself included, whether it's you know social media or something going on in sports or something going on in the news. I mean, this is what we're up against, distraction. Uh, so we have to personally bring them into a relationship with Christ or help them do that. 
personally bring them into a, a community. And then I guess to be even more blunt, you know, I would just ask them, especially if you're close with them, like, Hey man, you know, what's your problem with the Lord? What's your problem with the church? Not like what's your problem in a negative way, but genuinely like, what's the deal? Like, what can I help you with? You know, and they might give you an answer. They might not. But, uh, but after you do that, walk with them, introduce them to your priest, introduce them to a holy guy that, you know, I mean, we would be fools to not at least try to start up a conversation about the most important thing in all of our lives. I mean, if I, I said it before, I said, I would say it again. If we don't get to heaven, if we don't help try to get our family to heaven and our friends to heaven, then we've wasted our life. That's what we're called to do. And I may have said this already, but we have got to look differently than other people. Some kind of weird current examples that I've been thinking about recently as it relates to this. It's so weird, so random, but obviously it's COVID. But the second is just physically how our churches look uh, architecturally, I guess is what I'm looking for. Um, I think our churches, you know, need to look like what they are. I mean, they're, they're holy, they're sacred. You know, I was just home in Pittsburgh, Kansas in May playing in a golf tournament and I stopped by my home parish, Our Lady of Lords. I mean, no doubt inside and out, that's a Catholic building. I went on a run down to Pitt State, stopped in the Newman Center, St. Pius the 10th Newman Center, brand new church. It's beautiful. I mean, artwork, the sanctuary, the statues, the communion rail, the pews are beautiful. And then, you know, as much as it pains me to say this as a KU fan, Kansas State is building something right now magnificent. I mean, it is beautiful. And then, you know, finally is, this this might sound cliche, but we've got to pray. We have got to pray for the church, for our loved ones, for ourselves. I mean, this is a spiritual battle. So it's time we start using our spiritual weapons. I mean, uh, you know, if your wife and kids uh, and you, I mean, pray for them. If someone's astray, pray for them even more. I mean, God's not going to let us down. Even if it goes to the final second of someone's life, we have got to pray, pray for, for one another. Let's be honest. In the history of this podcast, I've never let anybody run for eight minutes. But, Charlie, that was like eight minutes right off the top of your head. And it was beautiful. I mean, you were preaching, my brother. So you, you keep coming, keep keep doing it. What I would say, there was a lot of information in there. And I'd tell everybody listening, a couple things are important. Could you go eight minutes about your faith? Like, could you go straight eight minutes? Because what he did was right off the top of his head, and it was beautiful and well thought out. And, and clearly, Charlie's in a space of prayer. I'd also say, Charlie's calling each of us, like the Acts of the Apostles, to consider the fact that our encounter with Christ has given us a story. And there, you're going to share that story, probably not in a church, probably not uh, maybe not in a church, maybe not in front of a bunch of people, but you are going to share it at the grocery store or at Starbucks or at work and maybe pray this week about that story and see how your story is. Make sure you you cleaned it up enough where someone would be. It's compelling, I guess, is the word I'm trying to find. Like, is your story compelling because God's done great things? Charlie, we are nearing the end of our time. I am honored to have spent time. They didn't even get to get into some of the stuff that you do for the church uh, professionally. But you know what? That's for another conversation. What I'd love to hear from you 
is I'd love for you to pray us off the podcast. I'd love to give you a second or two just to kind of speak from your heart to those listening. I know you have family back in Kansas who is listening. Probably Betsy and her family are listening as well. Um, so just pray us off the podcast and uh, as we begin to land the plane. All right. Heavenly Father, we, you know, we thank you for, for bringing us all together here on this podcast. I thank you for the, for the ministry of Capon's Men. I thank you for the, the Foxhole podcast. I thank you for all the blessings that, that you've given each one of us in our lives. Help us always to be grateful and come back and, and, and thank you for all the blessings. I ask that you strengthen each one of us. Help us to not be afraid. Help us to be courageous you know, in the face of uh, any of the difficulties of our lives. As men, I ask, Father, that you, you bless me, you bless all the men listening to this podcast, that we can be strong spiritual leaders for our families. Help us to love our children. Help us to love our wives and help them to know how much we love them. Father, we thank you again. We praise you and we love you. I ask all of this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks, Charlie, for choosing to walk the narrow road and encouraging us to do so as well. The challenge this week is simple. Listen to Father Capon's words in the last minute of this podcast and let his blessing soak in. And know that you've got a bunch of men listening along with you choosing to walk the narrow road. Until next time, stay humble and stay courageous. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.